0: For the past 20 years, we've had a front row seat to God doing more than we could ever imagine. Lives impacted for all eternity. Public professions of faith through baptism. Kids and adults discipled in the ways of Jesus. Campuses expanded to reach the multitudes, serving the least, the last, and the lost. And now our sights are set on something bigger and bolder, something immeasurably more. Let us join God in what he is doing next. Well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so great to be together today, and I just want to say a big welcome to all of our campuses. We have all of our campuses joining in today. So big welcome, Nolensville campus. So exciting, the new building and just seeing all the new people that God's bringing and lives that are being impacted. Praise be to God. in our Nashville campus, so excited to see all college students back and young adults and the vibrancy and the joy that's there. And praise be to God, you know. And then Columbia campus, wow, I love it. You know, next Sunday is our last Sunday at Riverside Elementary. And then the following Sunday into our new building. Way to go, Columbia. Man, we can't wait to see as we reach Columbia for Christ. And then our newest campus, Haywood Hills. Oh, I love it. we're doing a lot of renovations. It's exciting just to see what God's doing there and people starting to come from the community. Praise be to God, you know. And then online campus, welcome to everybody online, wherever you're joining in from. And I pray that God would speak to us. I'm so thankful for Bible studies that are starting online and lives that are being impacted. And then here at our Franklin campus, wow, to see so many baptisms and lives changed. You know, we are one church, Right many locations but it gives us the opportunity to reach our city to reach the world for christ and that's what we want to do is make a difference together so this morning we're launching a brand new series and i can't wait we have been praying and planning and preparing for this series for over a year and this series is called next it's called next and we're gonna be talking about what's next what's next for you as a disciple of christ What's next for us as God's church today as we take a next step in our spiritual journey and we watch God do what only God can do. You know, in life, there ought to always be something next. You know, if you're a sports fan, you you get excited, right? Whether your team loses or whether your team wins, you go, well, there's always next week, right? Or there's next season, you know? We get excited because new technology comes out. Then there's the next iPhone, and there'll be something after that. There'll be something next. There's always the next movie, the next concert, the next big event. What's next? But you see, that's important, right? That is important to have something that's next, because if there's not something next, that means game over. It's done. Things that are alive grow, right? Things that aren't alive, they don't grow. They're dead. And so in our lives, even in our spiritual life, there ought to be something next, that we're growing deeper in Christ. We're growing stronger in the word. We're sharing our faith. We're making a difference. We're uniting and locking arms with brothers and sisters in Christ in our day, in our time and generation. You know, here at Rolling Hills, wow, our God has been doing so many incredible things. Maybe you were at the Ryman in January. Whoa, God showed up and showed off, didn't he? Woo, Man, I mean, praise be to God. And we celebrated 20 years as a church. And we've seen God do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. And we're all part of that story. But you know, there at the Ryman, God wasn't finished. It wasn't like we had this celebration and God goes, okay, I'm done with you, church. That was just the the precursor to what is to come. And I truly believe in every one of our lives and even in God's church together today, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come for you. The best is yet to come for us as we take a next step with God. And so in this series, we're gonna be studying a guy in the Bible, a guy named Nehemiah. He lived back a long time ago, but man, he was so faithful to God. He was so faithful. It would have been easy for him to be comfortable. It would have been easy for him to sit back. And just like us as a church, it'd be easy for us to stop. You know, God's done a lot of great things, but it's amazing, multiple campuses and lives being changed. But God always is calling us to step out and Nehemiah did. And his obedience changed not only his life, but it impacted countless others and impacted the world. And we're going to see his story unfold today. So if you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you up with me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Hey, it's back there in the Old Testament. You got Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. So kind of there at that section right back there in the Old Testament. If you need a Bible at all of our campuses, there's Bibles around. you can Go to the back, grab a Bible. You can go to your phone, pull out your phone if you want to, and go to the Church Center Rolling Hills app, and man, we'll have the scripture for you there. But I want you to see this today in Nehemiah. Now, last week we were talking about Ezra, so this whole kind of time frame, setting all of this up. But I want to put kind of a time frame chart up here for you just to give you some perspective when nehemiah lived and what was happening in the world at this time so 587 bc the temple is destroyed the babylonians come into jerusalem and they destroy the temple and the temple was the place where god dwelt, right it was there in jerusalem and everybody would come to worship there at the temple the whole sacrificial system everything was there but god had told the people right if you're disobedient to me you know what i'm going to send you off into exile and you will go and jeremiah the prophet even said you're going to go for 70 years 70 years and sure enough 587 it's destroyed and then babylon falls to the king of persia cyrus comes in the persians conquer the babylonians and then in 539 bc cyrus says guys you can go back if you want to go back to jerusalem you could go back and so we see these different waves Zerubbabel took some of the people back and they started working on the temple ezra comes back and bringing the word and you come there and in 517 bc the temple rebuilding is complete now look at that 587 to 517 70 years just like god had told through the prophet just like god had done now when you were conquered back then you were done i mean like you didn't have any hope as a nation it's game over But God used this pagan ruler to bring his people back to Jerusalem. Ezra returns 458 BC, bringing the word back. And then 446, we see Nehemiah returns with the exiles to start rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. And this is a big deal. All right. And so what I want you to see is Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the last book chronologically in the Old Testament. And so we know it doesn't kind of fall that way. You got Nehemiah, Esther, Job, you kind of got all these other books that come in the Old Testament. But chronologically, when Nehemiah ends, that begins the intertestamental period. Okay, big word, but it means the, the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Testament literally means covenant. So you got the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, right? The Old Covenant, the law, and then there's a new covenant of grace, the Messiah. Jesus. So everything in the Old Testament is leading us to Jesus. So Nehemiah is the last book, God's last words, God's last movement. You think that's important? Oh yeah. God was setting the table so the Messiah would come and our lives would be forever changed. God used this man and God wants to use each of us today. Pick up here, Nehemiah chapter one, verse one. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hacaliah." In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, well, I was in the citadel of Susa. All right, Kislev is around November on the Jewish calendar, okay? And he's in Susa. Susa would have been the summer palace for the king of Persia. So he's there on the Persian Gulf, you know, right there, beautiful place, Susa. And he's like 800 miles from Jerusalem. But he's in Susa in November, and Han and I, one of my brothers came from judah with some other men and i questioned them about the jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about jerusalem so this is first person this is nehemiah writing he says listen my brother comes back 800 miles he's been in jerusalem and and i questioned him about it see for the jews i mean jerusalem man that was the place that, that was the place. I mean, that's the very presence of God. Mount Zion, you know, pilgrims making the journey there to worship. Jerusalem, for us as Christians, it's the church, right? The church. That's what Jesus established. The church is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And so we get as emotional about the church as the Jews got as emotional about Jerusalem. You know, Jerusalem still, even today, right? One of the key places in the entire world, the home of three major world religions. Well, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, guys, this was a big deal, okay? because if the walls were broken down, it was not a city anymore. I mean, literally, it's an outpost, you know, I mean, it's not a city. The walls gave identity to the city. The, the walls set that parameter. The walls defined that city. The walls also provided protection for the city. It provided provision for the city. You know, Jerusalem already set up on Mount Zion, I and mean, it was tough to conquer. I mean, so when you had the walls around it, though, man, there was just this strength that came there. And so he hears about this and he's like, whoa. Now, homes were also built into the walls. You may remember rahab back in the old testament coming her house was built on the side of a wall there in jericho and, and and you see that they meant houses were broken down families were broken down the whole city's in disarray and he says when i heard these things i sat down and wept i wept let me ask you this when was the last time you wept when was the last time that your heart was broken when was the last time that your heart was stirred by a by movement of God? Maybe this morning during worship, right? I mean, maybe there's just like, wow, tears start welling up in your eyes. Or, or maybe you remember your baptism. Or maybe your child's baptism. Or maybe you hear of things that are in disarray. And maybe you hear about the sex slave trade and you just go, ah! Oh, and it just brings tears to your eyes. You're like, this isn't right. Maybe you hear about friends or family who don't know Jesus and your heart breaks you're like oh they need to know the Lord and, and what breaks your heart I pray that our hearts would be broken for the things that break the heart of God and Nehemiah wept Jesus wept David wept right Paul wept all of these great men showed their emotions because it showed their passion it showed what was dear to their heart I sat down and I wept for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven Then I said, and now we have recorded the first prayer here in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter one, only 11 verses, but man, most of it is this prayer from Nehemiah and you really see his heart and he prays to God and he said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Nehemiah knew even back in the Old Testament, right? It's not about religion, it's about a relationship, that God is love. And now I respond back to him in love. I will have that relationship with God. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you. Day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted wickedly toward you we have not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Nehemiah first praises God for who he is, a great and awesome God. Then he confesses. He confesses his own sin, but he also confesses the sins of his family, right? He realizes he's God. I'm not. He realizes he's a holy God and I'm a sinful person. And when we come in the presence of God, there ought to be a time of brokenness. There ought to be a time of confession And then he says, remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. He's like, God, you're going to be faithful to your promise. God, I know your word. And I love that Nehemiah knew the word of God. Right, he, he grew up knowing the word of God. I mean, praise God for the people who poured into his life because he, he knew the word of God. He's like, God, you're gonna be faithful. Hey, claim the promises of God, that God promised to be faithful to you, that God promised to never leave you or forsake you in whatever trouble you face, whatever hardship, whatever difficulty, know that God is with you and know that God is for you. He says, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and mighty hand right? They didn't come back in. You brought them back. You have a plan. You have a purpose, God. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Now, who's he talking about? The king, the king of Persia. Nehemiah's got a plan, right? I'm going to go talk to the king about this and God give me favor. And I love the way, as you look at this prayer, the way he structured it, right? He didn't just come with the petition first. That's what we do a lot of times. God, help, I'm in trouble. God, this is what I need. He, he started with God first. He praised God first. He confessed his sins. He said, God, you're faithful to the promises. And then God, here's the need. Here's the petition. And God, you answer it your way. And then he adds this. I was cupbearer to the king. Okay, when he says I was cupbearer to the king, that's a big deal, all right? We know from antiquities, we know from history that the cupbearer to the king was actually kind of like the prime minister. I mean, he's kind of the second in command here in Persia. Pretty incredible, right? The cupbearer was the one who tasted the wine before the king got the wine. He tasted the food before the king got the food. There were a lot of assassination attempts that would happen back then. A lot of kings, you know, were vulnerable and so... So he was the one, he was the most trusted person. He was the head of the bodyguards there. He was also so trusted because he could have been the one to poison the king. So he had to be really trusted. And the king had all his faith right here in Nehemiah. As the prime minister, as the cupbearer, he also knew multiple languages. He would be the one to interface with other kings. He would go out and talk on behalf of the king of Persia. He also, it tells us in history, he had to be handsome. Okay, so this guy strong he is like the bodyguard he is well put together he's got it going on he's got this great job this great gig and God comes and breaks his heart and says Nehemiah I'm not done with you you don't just kick back in the palace and ride out your days no Nehemiah I'm calling you to what's next hey if you're taking notes today here's some things I'd love for you to write down man I don't want you to miss this today because I think this is so important for every single one of us. So here's the thing. When God's call comes, just like it did to Nehemiah, when God begins to stir in your heart, and there are those times, right? And maybe this morning is one of those. What do you do? How do you respond? Well, Nehemiah shows us. There's three things you do. Number one is this. If you're taking notes, pray about God's call in your life. Pray about God's call in your life. If you're right down on your worship guide, or if you're on the church center rolling hills app hey be sure and put this down pray pray see immediately we begin to try to solve things <laughs> and nehemiah shows us pray pray look what it says when i heard these things i sat down and wept and for some days i mourned and fasted and prayed before the god of heaven i brought it to the lord i brought it to the lord guys there's nine prayers in the book of nehemiah nine prayers This is the most of any book in the Bible, okay? So there's nine prayers that we see Nehemiah pray. Nehemiah was a prayer warrior. Nehemiah started with God. He put God first in his life. And that's what you see here. The first thing Nehemiah does when God stirs his heart is to pray. That's the first thing he does. So maybe God stirred your heart, right? And you're something that's going on in your life. And maybe, you know, you're just thinking, man, what do I do about this? How do I solve this? Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's a work issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. The first thing you do is you bring it to God. (laughs) The first thing you do is you start writing it down and say, Lord, I wanna wanna put this before you. I, I wanna bring this request to you. I wanna praise you first. I wanna confess in my own heart and life. I wanna know that you are faithful to those promises. I believe that in my life. And here's my petition that I bring to you. Look, when you pray, what you're doing is you're inviting God in when you pray you're inviting god into that situation you're saying god i want to put my faith in you first not in the answer right because a lot of times we're like god i want it answered this way but what you're doing is saying god you can answer it however you want to you're stirring in me you're calling me you're inviting me and so god i'm gonna bring you into this situation into my heart and my mind oswald chambers says this prayer is not preparation for the greater work prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And so I just want to encourage us. Let's be a people of prayer. Let's grow. You know, you don't have to formally just, you know, drop down on your knees all the time and go, you know, I'm going to stop in the middle of work. Hey, but in your still small voice, in your mind, in your heart, right? That's why the Bible talks about pray continually. God, I'm bringing this before you. God, there's something happening here. There's, there's something going on. God, and I'm going to bring it to you. I love in James where it says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. In those times in your life that you're like, okay, God, what's next? (laughs) Ask God. In those times in your life that you need wisdom, maybe as a parent, (laughs) maybe as a grandparent, maybe in your marriage, and maybe in your life, you know, with your roommates and you just go, man, I don't know how to handle this. Ask God ask God when your heart is being stirred, ask God for wisdom. Second thing we pray, second thing is prepare. Prepare your heart to respond to God, right? It's not just that I I pray and go, okay, well, that's it. No, 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 no. I, I pray and then I prepare. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Nehemiah knows, hey, I've got this opportunity to go to the king. Now, the king could cut off my head right <laughs> you know, I get. but god i'm gonna prepare for that and i'm gonna step into that god because you've given me an opportunity and you're stirring my heart nehemiah will spend four months preparing so the month of kislev chapter one chapter two the month of nisan and nisan is four months later we're looking at march right of the next year so for four months he's praying he's fasting he's preparing for what God wants to do through him. Now, there's two ways you prepare, right? First of all, you prepare spiritually. You prepare your heart and your mind. You prepare for spiritual battle. You prepare for opposition that may come along. But you prepare that God would use you in that situation, allowing the Holy Spirit to talk to you. But then you prepare logistically, right? Sometimes people will come up and they'll go, Jeff, would you pray for a job for me? And I'm like, yes, I will. You know, And they're like, I'm just struggling in my workplace. and And I'm like, well, Hey, have you posted a a resume on Indeed? I'm like, well, I haven't done that yet. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to pray for you, but also do that, right? Hey, would you pray for me about a godly spouse? Yes, I will. But what are you doing, right? Don't date clowns, right? Date date good people. Date people who could be a potential partner. Date date people that you go, man, I could see myself married to them, you know? Would you pray for me like financially? Yes, I will. Also start a budget. Start preparing, start planning, start making good decisions there. You know, the old saying, right? It's so much easier to steer a moving car when we're moving in that right direction toward God. And that's what Nehemiah was doing. We'll see more in chapter two next week. Man, he's laying it out. He's putting his plan together. He's preparing. Look, God is preparing you for what God is preparing for you we saw this when we went through our study in the book of romans right It's god's working in our arms we saw this in our study god is able god is preparing you this is a time when you and i dive into the word when you and i pray when you and i grow because we don't know what's coming but god does and god wants you to be ready god wants you to be ready and that's the thing that we need to always be dialed into in our lives That it's God's work, that it's God's hand, that it's God's mission, and I'm God's servant. And I want to be used for the glory of God. Look at this. In all your preparation, leave room for God. See, a lot of times we get to our preparation. We just go, okay, I can do this. I'm going to make it happen. But no, there's got to be a miracle that comes in there or it wouldn't be a calling from God. Right? There's got to be a miracle that's going to come in there. Nehemiah is going to go talk to the king. Now, why would the king say, yeah, go rebuild the walls? Why would the king want to do that? Jerusalem is one of the hardest cities in the world to ever conquer. Why are you going to build that back up? And one day you will have to go back because the people are a rebel. There is no way the king's going to go for that. Nehemiah knew it. But Nehemiah left room for God. I'm going to present this case. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to be ready spiritually. I'm going to cover it in prayer. And then I'm going to watch God do what only God can do. See, following God, look at this, still takes a step of faith. You won't have all the answers, right? It's still faith. Maybe God's been drawing you to himself and inviting you into that relationship and and salvation. You're like, I just don't, I don't understand it. Well, you're like, he's God, right? You're not, but he's inviting you in. There comes a point of surrender. There comes a point of dedication. Maybe you're going, well, I'm not ready to be a parent. I'm not ready to, to disciple my kids, right? You step into that and you pray and you allow God to work through you. And you just say, hey, let's start reading a chapter together as a family. Let's take a daily step together as a family. Let's pray in my marriage. I don't have all the answers, but I'm telling you, when you start down that path, leave room for God, and you take that step of faith, and you watch God work in that situation. I love in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, says this, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And Joshua is preparing the people to go into the promised land and tells them, "Consecrate yourself. Get ready spiritually cuz God's going to do something big." Church, God's going to do something big. Let's get ready. Here's the third one we see. Act on what God calls you to do. Act on what God calls you to do. You know? Look at this. He says, "I was cupbearer to the king." He's got a great job. He's highly successful making a lot of money in a great sweet spot and he's going to come to a crisis of faith am i going to step forward and talk to the king am i going to put my life on the line am i going to put my job on the line am i going to put my finances on the line am i going to step out and act on what god's doing in my heart and in my life see god is always calling all of us to take that next step in our spiritual journey see the word retirement's not in the bible it's not, you know, you can retire from your job. You, you can do that. But, but listen, spiritually, we don't stop. God's given you wisdom. God's given you experience. You, you keep going. You keep serving. You keep leading in Bible study. You keep discipling your kids or your grandkids. You keep going on mission trips and making a difference for the glory of God. We're not called to sit back in the palace. We're called to step forward in faith. Now, we talk. We could talk about something to never get it done. We live in a culture that loves to talk about things, right? We talk about sports. We have sports talk radio. We talk about, you know, the game that happened last week and how it could have been better. We talk about the game upcoming. We talk about politics all the time. We've got the view. We've got everybody talk, 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 talk. And what do you find when everybody just talks, 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 and nothing ever happens, And I think sometimes even spiritually, we could talk and talk and talk about a lot of things, but there comes a time that we have to act on that. Responding to God's call will always take sacrifice. And I think that's why few people wanna do it. And they miss the miracle and they miss the opportunity. What do you mean go on a mission trip? Like I take off time of work and I'm gonna go, but then they go and they're like, whoa, this was incredible. Look what God did. And you're like, yeah. It took a little sacrifice, but man, was it worth it? Yes, in every part of our lives, in every part of our spiritual journey, getting up early in the morning, taking that daily step, reading that passage of scripture. Yeah, you got to get up a little bit earlier, but man, is it worth it? Oh, yes, it takes some sacrifice. Look, God is more interested in our obedience than our success. And so often the reason we don't act is because we don't know how the outcome is going to come. Right, you're like, okay, God, tell me how it's all gonna go. (laughs) And then I'll be obedient. And God's going, no, you just be obedient and let me take care of the outcome. Let me take care of the success. For you, success is just being obedient to God. I love in James, right? James says this, faith without deeds is dead and useless. And at some point we gotta put our faith into action and step up and step out. And that's what God's calling us to do together as God's church today. Here's what we're talking about. God's call has come to us. God's call came to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was heartbroken over knowing that the wall was broken down there in Jerusalem. As Christians, we start to look at the church in America, and our hearts ought to break. Just three years ago, in one year, 4,500 churches closed in the United States, and only 3,000 new churches were even started. Churches are closing all the time. Church attendance today is at the lowest level it's ever been in the history of the United States. What we're seeing in the United States is mirroring Europe, right? Going into the post-Christian and it's in our day and in our time and on our watch. There are people every day dying without Christ. And God has said, you are my church. You are my people. And it'd be so easy to kind of sit back and go, wow, God, look what you've done at Rolling Hills over 20 years, praise God. We we're just gonna kick back. And God's going, no, you're not. <laughs> I have called you for a time such as this. And I believe our call is just as important as the call that came to Nehemiah back then. And guys, will we step into it? Will we be obedient to it? Look at this. God's calling us to what's next. 15 years ago, as a church, we were meeting in the movie theater in Cool Springs. And things were good. I mean, we were there, we have worship, we had kids' space, it was great. But God said, I didn't, call you to just stay in the movie theater and we stepped out and said okay god we're gonna trust you in this young church average age 27 and on one sunday we came together and did a capital campaign and it was our first one called wildest dreams and we sacrificed and we stretched and we gave over and above our tithes and we prayed and we fasted and we watched god do a miracle you know you're watching this right here from the warehouse we could have never done this only god but we stepped out and so many people maybe you who've accepted christ here during worship who've watched your child be baptized or your grandchild be baptized there's so many people that god's brought whose lives have been impacted praise be to god and out of this place we've been able to launch campuses Nolansville and nashville and columbia and haywood hills and reaching our city for christ praise god we didn't stop then and god's saying don't stop now Four years ago, we launched For the Kingdom, another capital campaign, our fifth one, right? And we just thought, okay, God, here we go. And we didn't know what was going to happen, but we knew we needed a new place there in Nolensville. And look what God has done, only God. And in Nashville, look what God did and is doing. And we didn't even know Columbia was coming online at that moment. And then student space and raising up the next generation. And now we come to this time, This next capital campaign for us as a church, for all of us together, what could God do with the faith of all of us together today? Hey, here's the thing. It's gonna be next, the next 20 years. Think about that. The next 20 years, what God could do. Through all of us fully committed to Christ, through all of us praying and fasting and giving and serving, the next 20 years could be better than we could ever dream or imagine for the glory of God and making a difference in your life, in your family, in our community, and in the world for the glory of God. The next 20 years of Rolling Hills, the next generation, the next generation, raising up, right, this next generation. Hey, let me ask you this. Where are kids today, students today, gonna hear about Jesus if it's not the church? I mean, is it gonna be school? Probably not. Is it going to be social media? Is it going to be the internet? It's the church. It's the church. It's the church that gives the spiritual foundation. It's the church that gives character and integrity. It's the church that's the hope of the world today, the church that Jesus is calling us to, to pour into this next generation. Hey, look, the next ministry. The next ministry. You know, there's more people who need Jesus. There's more people who need hope. There's more people who need to be served. And for us to continue to reach out in the next mission, the next mission, you know, by God's grace, you know, when we started Justice and Mercy International and just seeing what God's done, but, but God's not finished in Moldova or the Amazon or in Europe or the places that God's gonna call us to go. And then the next one. And think about this. Your obedience to Christ impacts more than just you. And the next one may be your child giving their life to Christ or your future child or your grandchild or your nieces and nephews or your neighbor or the kid on your your son's baseball team. The person at work, the person at school, the next one for the glory of God. And God says, you're not done. I'm not finished with you. You keep serving. You keep growing and keep making a difference for me. Guys, here's the thing. In the next 20 years, here's what we're praying about at all of our campuses. Right here, number one, Franklin. We're talking about a new auditorium and additional preschool and kids space. You know, Williamson County is supposed to double in the next 20 years. <laughs> Just imagine that for a moment. Already right, at Franklin, we do multiple services on Sunday. I mean, Christmas and Easter, it's crazy. We're packing out, praise be to God. But, but we need space, right? And to build a new auditorium not only impacts adults, but then It allows space for preschool and children to continue to double and expand. God's bringing people, right? I mean, God's bringing people to Nashville and Williamson County. And where are these people going to hear about Jesus? And that's how we got to continue to grow. In Nolensville, look at this, remodel the existing building into a connection center right? Praise me, we God, we've got this beautiful building there in Nolensville, and you still have the existing building that we've got to go back and continue to update and have it tie into the entire campus. In Nashville, renovate the gymnasium and the amphitheater. And guys, you think about that in that outreach to the community and reaching young adults and reaching families right there. In Columbia, new kids and student space. You know, we'll be moving in in two weeks into the new building, but in the next three to five years, we're going to need additional kid space and student space there in Columbia. It's growing. And then at Haywood Hills, a new Rolling Hills Community Center. And I'm so excited about this. You know, as a church, 15 years ago, when we started Justice and Mercy International, we would have never dreamed the thousands of orphans that would be impacted. The 1,200 pastors who'd be trained in the Amazon. But to think about all of us together impacting right here in our local community impacting right there at Haywood Hills and having a place that we can serve and be the hands and feet of Christ, a community center to do food distribution and clothes, that we can come and serve there and ESL and financial training, that we can come and help our community be even better to serve the underserved. That's the call of Christ for us. Guys, this is what God's calling us to do. And this is where I'm calling you to pray, to pray. Several years ago, I had the chance to go to Moldova. And when I was there, I was speaking at a church that morning and that afternoon, I, I went to a church that one of our staff and, and she and her husband and her kids, and, and we pull up and it's this huge building. It's beautiful. It's outstanding. And I said, goodness gracious. And there were all these young people that were there. We sat down and people were being baptized. And I was like, this place is packed. And I was just in awe. And I said, tell me the story. Tell me the story. And she said, my grandparents, she said, my grandparents under communism, you know, they destroyed all the churches and my grandparents got a group together and started to pray. And they were praying that God would do something in our community. And she said, many of our pastors were put in prison during that time under communism, but these people started to pray. And then they petitioned, they petitioned the communist government to give them a place to build a church. And the communist government thought it was a joke And so they said, you can have the city dump and praying together and believing they would go to work all day and then they would come home and they would start clearing the city dump and they started building with their own hands, brick by brick, this church. She said, in that time, communism fell. Our God is greater. And communism went down and said that there was no God and God said, I will show you, right? And after that moment, the whole community came together and built By hand, this church building that we sit in today, my grandparents, and she said, my kids have been baptized in this church. They're great, great kids. What a legacy. I want to tell you, when we begin to pray, we invite God in and we say, God, you can reverse this trend in America. You can reverse this trend in our world today. God, you can use us to make a difference. At all of our campuses, we're going to give out bracelets. I would love for you to get one. It just says next. And I want to invite you to Pray. let's start praying now you know we'll have 50 days right between now and november 12th and november 12th we're gonna have a commitment sunday together and as we pray we just go god we are going to trust you and we're going to invest god in what you've called us to but it starts with prayer praying and believing that god can do what only god can do the second thing i want us to do is prepare 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 your heart and your life consecrate yourselves Guys, in this next 50 days, I'm going to ask you to do something, right? I want to call us as a church to be bold. Hey, if there's an area you need to confess in your life, confess it. I'm telling you, if you're, if you're into pornography and that's, just stop. For 50 days, what you feed grows. What you starve dies. Stop it. If there's an affair, stop it. Alcoholism, stop confess it to god if there's any impurity in your heart your life this is the time in these next 50 days god prepare us spiritually god confess to the lord and then act act god what step are you calling me to take god what difference do you want me to make god i want to come before you i want to act on what you're stirring in my heart and maybe for you that's that's praying with your spouse maybe that's starting with your roommates Maybe for you, that's talking with your kids about baptism and and encouraging them to be in church. That's raising up a generation. Whatever it is in these times when God stirs your heart, would you trust him and act on that stirring? Guys, the other day I was talking to somebody in our church and, and they said, you know what, I've just been obsessed with pleasure. In my own life, I've just been obsessed with pleasure. It's been whatever's the next thing, the next pleasure, the next event, the next sport, the next concert. I want to do something for God. I want to make a difference for him. And I just thought, how many times can we do that? Nehemiah could have done that, but he didn't. He stepped out and he trusted God. And God used him to impact the world. We live in the wealthiest nation that's ever existed. We're in the seventh wealthiest county in the wealthiest nation that's ever existed. And it could be about pleasure for us. But God's calling us to a next step for him. I don't know where you are today, but I believe God's stirring your heart right now. And maybe he's stirring your heart to salvation. Start there, give your heart, your life to Christ. Start that journey, it's incredible. Maybe God's stirring you to baptism. Hey, this is the time, this is the time. Maybe God's stirring you to join the church or to get in a community group or a men's group or somewhere. Maybe God's stirring you to confess your sins. Whatever it is, let's start with God and watch God do what only he can do and what's next. Let me pray for us right now. Father God, thank you. God, your spirit is here. And you're calling us individually and as a church to a next step. And so Father God, we place our faith and our trust in you. Lord, I pray that you would do a mighty work in these next 50 days. I pray that, God, you would do miracles, God. I pray for healing. I pray for hope. I pray for restoration and redemption. I pray, God, that you would do what only you can do. And so, Lord, right now, we give you our hearts and our lives. Right now, we praise you for who you are, that sovereign over all. And, God, we come, we come, stir our hearts and stir our lives. And use us, God, to take a next step for your name and your glory. And we dedicate our lives in this church to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.